0: we got a lot of different things coming at you today okay and i'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now that you don't got time! For that <laughs> all right let's go
1: break it break it Woo!
2: ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention i've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story and i need all of you to stop what you're
3: doing and listen
1: You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320
4: KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Derek Johnson with you. I'm going to be solo all this week, so... Uh, thanks for joining in and hanging out. Uh, I guess I won't be totally solo. We've got some cool guests coming on today's show. As always, David Lesky of Inside the Crown is going to join us coming up here in about 35 minutes. Talk to some uh, Kansas City Royals with David. And also, this is a pretty pertinent week because of the fact that the trade deadline occurs this Sunday. So uh, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of Kansas City Royals players that are on the move at the very least. Certainly uh, being discussed about being in the move, on the move. We also are starting up RCST trivia today for the football edition. That's exciting, right? We've done our basketball edition for three years. This is our first venture into the football side of things. So I'm excited to get to that coming up here. We'll get to that in the 4 o'clock hour. We've got two matchups today. We're going to have two matchups every day this week. Except for Friday. And that's how it's going to be, unless Friday is kind of our makeup day. But we have five uh, team divisions, four different divisions. Top two, we're going to go to bowl games. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we'll start up with that with our KU football edition of RCST trivia. You can test your own knowledge if you're listening along at home. That will be in the four o'clock hour. There was a story from Matt Norlander over the weekend that Kansas is holding Bill Self, Curtis Townsend off the road. For the July live recruiting period, uh, amidst the NCAA case dragging on, so what happens is we get to July and there becomes a live recruiting period after it's been kind of a dead period for a little bit. Uh, There are a lot of these like big tournaments or big sponsored events by different shoe companies, and a lot of these tournaments are not just how you know for for certain players and coaches, how you would get an extra opportunity to talk to them and to recruit them. But it's an evaluation tool as well. It's something that the coaches use to, you know, see what player they like best or, or maybe discover a player that they haven't seen. Like think of a guy like Frank Mason, for instance. Like he was discovered because KU was watching another player. I think it was like Jordan McLaughlin or something like that, uh, who ended up going to USC and Frank Mason just gave him the business. And they saw Frank Mason do that, and they were like, hey, you know what? Let's give this kid a shot. So it's not just about the recruiting part of it. It's about that part of it, the evaluation part. And then if you evaluate someone you like that maybe you hadn't talked to before, then it goes back into the recruiting aspect of things. So clearly not being there is pretty important. Um, But, you know, it's... I don't know. Uh, not all recruiting is done at these things. And if a guy really shows out at one of these events, like there are other people that are going to be there as well. I don't know. They're going to rise in the rankings and and things like that. So uh, this from Matt Norlander, Kansas coach Bill Self and assistant coach Curtis Townsend were held off the road for a live recruiting period in June and July. Sources told CBS sports self and Townsend missed the biggest period in college basketball recruiting, which came and went Sunday afternoon. Assistants Norm Roberts and Jeremy Case were on the road throughout the spring and the summer. So they did still have people there. Norm Roberts and Jeremy Case were there. But obviously you would like your head coach, especially if if you're a big-time recruit, you want to meet with the head coach, obviously. Kansas officials could not comment on the matter as the NCAA threatens additional penalties if schools discuss ongoing cases publicly. So... You can't really say anything there, which that also probably tells you who this story is coming from, like who the leak is is coming from. Here, it um is probably coming from someone inside the NCAA office. Now, why they would do that? Well, clearly the NCAA is probably not happy with Kansas, and this is probably something that you know it it. Kind of go under wraps a little bit. It's not like we're taking attendance of the coaches uh, when they're at this or, or that event. They probably want this to come out against Kansas because it obviously is not a good thing for Kansas. So that would be my guess of where the leak came from and why. Um, coaches will not be able to visit recruits in person again until mid September. So we don't really know whether Bill Self or Curtis Townsend are going to be allowed to resume full recruiting activities by then. But in regards to why they would do this or what this could accomplish for KU, kind of remains to be seen as well. Um, How much would this help with the IARP? ESPN wrote that industry sources believe a significant suspension for Self and a potential postseason ban for the Jayhawks or penalties that remain on the table. That's not crazy. They're facing five uh, level one violations, and each one of those comes with possible postseason ban, right? So everything is on the table. This is pretty much non-news, but it's also news at the same point in time. Um, I guess my, my first reaction when I saw this was like, Okay, they're not there. We sure this isn't just like a you know a COVID thing that that they're not there and somebody else is filling in. But no, the fact that it's that long of, of time and then there's you know multiple reports coming out about this being in in regards to that. Um, but this would be very interesting because if there is a punishment to be had, of course Kansas could be at risk to a postseason ban. Like I said, you have five level one violations. But I think the most expected part of the punishment this doesn't preclude you from getting those postseason bans The most expected part of the punishment would seem to deal with Bill Self and Curtis Townsend they were the ones who like in the case of Curtis Townsend you're caught talking on the phone to I don't remember who it was Merle Code or Jim Gatto whoever it was Um, or you have messages from you know, one of the coaches or or you're the head coach of the team. So you're going to be the one there. Like those are the guys that it would make sense. And, and I don't know to what magnitude that would mean. Like, does that mean it's a show cause, which if you get a show cause, I don't think it's, I don't know. Like if, if that's the punishment that comes out of this, I don't think KU is going to be overly upset with it. Like basically what a show cause does is that Bill Self, if he like leaves to another school, the violations or, or whatever punishments or whatnot would carry over with him or it would prevent him from going to another school. So if he's just going to stay at Kansas and you're dealing with a show cause, it's like big whoop. But a possible suspension, I think Rick Patino got like nine games or something for something totally different. Um, so, But they've shown in the past that they could do that. And then just kind of like a lack of ability to recruit or, or something like that, like a loss of scholarships or whatever. I just I, I wonder if if Bill Self and Company would rather just take the brunt themselves, than the team i I kind of think that's how it is. like if if Bill Self can say, you know, if you suspend me for a year, or if you do this or that, but the team doesn't have a postseason ban." Can I fall on the sword here? I wonder if that would be the thing. And th- and that's what part of this feels like to me. It's like the coaches who could be in trouble here, who could be undergoing some sort of penalty, are taking this on themselves, maybe not just as a... Because this isn't going to all of a sudden... Like, this doesn't change everything. This doesn't change the NCAA going, well, they sat out of the, the June and July recruiting period. So I, I guess... You know, we don't need to keep uh, keep going with the investigation or the uh, trying to judge like what we want to do here. Like, seems pretty fair here. No, it's not going to change that. But if it furthers the idea of those guys maybe trying to fall on the swords that the team doesn't have to undergo that, because if the team gets a one year postseason ban, you're going to be left collecting pieces down the road that it might take a good chunk of time. To pick back together, right? If you you lose guys via the transfer portal, you lose commitments from high school kids because you're ineligible for the postseason versus if you just have a one-year suspension for your coach, yeah, maybe you, you lose out on a, a kid who is going to transfer in for one last year of college or maybe you lose out on a potential five-star recruit who wants to be a one-and-done and so that would be his only year in college and he wanted to be uh, coached by Bill Self and he would miss out on that, right? But overall, like, the light would be at the end of the tunnel in that situation. And I wonder if this is representative of that. Like, you know, the engine's going to keep running here. Like, Norm Roberts, Jeremy Case, you go out, you do the recruiting. We're still going to do this stuff. It's just we're going to separate ourselves from it. Either that or, I don't know, like, you hope that there wasn't something new that came up. In terms of recruiting violations or something, that it was basically like, "Hey, we have to sideline these guys now because this is going to be even worse once we add on uh, what Artie is in with the IARP about." Um, but I'd have to imagine, like winning the title like you did this past spring, like that has to that has to kind of burden anything here. I I, I wonder if they didn't win the title, if this would be the ploy by you know, Bill Self and Curtis Townsend, whether it is to try to lessen punishment or whatever it's about. If they didn't win the title, would they be doing this? Because now that you won the title, you're going, okay, we just want the punishment now. We got our title. Great. Whereas if you didn't win the punishment or or win the title, you might be going, no, we got one last chance before we maybe get a postseason ban, something like that. Um, But also from like a recruiting standpoint, yeah, certainly you missed out on on being able to be out there and recruit guys, but guess what? You just won a national championship. You know what does as good of recruiting as anything else? That does. And so yeah, from an evaluation standpoint, like it hurts them not being there as well, but you still had assistance there, so you still had eyes on everything and and maybe it's not the the eye of the guy that, you know, matters most with Bill self. But we've heard a lot of you know, stories about different KU assistants finding guys. So um, I just think this kind of boils down to KU is ready for this to be done. I think we all are, to be completely honest. It has stretched on way too long. And of course, they want this to be done. and, And I'm sure part of them, you know, even still wants to fight this, right? But now that you have that title... And this is dragged on way longer than they thought they'd have to in the fight. I think this is less about lessening the punishment and more about speeding it up. Because like I said, if you if you sit out these recruiting periods with these coaches, is the NCAA or IARP really going to all of a sudden go soft on you? Now I do believe like Auburn did this, um, when they didn't really accept punishment, we got a head start on some stuff with, uh, I don't know, self-imposed sanctions or, or certain things. And it did help them a little bit. I just like I said, like how much would that actually help Kansas kind of remains to be seen because it seems like how much fight the KU has put into this and how much fight the KU has put up to this point. That it almost seems like the NCAA wants to go kind of nuclear here. I feel like if this was just about the IARP deciding on an, in a real independent resolution, this would have been solved by now. But I almost you almost get the sense that like the NCAA is kind of being like, no, we need more than that. No, we need more than that. And the NCAA obviously not happy with KU here. And yes, the IARP is supposed to be independent, so it shouldn't really care what the NCAA is doing. But I'm just telling you, it, it's probably not. It's probably not totally independent. I mean, it's, it, it was created by the NCAA. So it's entirely possible that this is occurring for KU because they're trying to lessen punishment in some way or another but I more so view it because I don't think at the end of the day they're going to go, well, we were going to give you a postseason ban, but now that you sat that out, it's gone. I more so view this as they're speeding it up. They're trying to get the final decision here on what's going to happen because they know the best way out of this, the best way for future recruiting and and to really um, get clicking back to where they want to as far as that stuff goes is just having the punishment come down, getting through it, and then being on the other side of it. And so it could just be about speeding it up that they've gone from we're fighting everything tooth and nail to now, okay, we'll accept a little bit of punishment. We're ready to get some sort of a resolution here. We're ready to have some sort of sanction or, or whatever it would be come our way. It's because otherwise it's just so weird. You fought tooth and nail for so long and then to come to this where all of a sudden you're No, you know what? We're ready to give in. We're ready to give up. I just, I, every time I think about why would you do this? To me, it just keeps coming back to the idea of you just want it to be over. The only other thing that would come to mind for me is that like, maybe KU knows that some sort of, I don't know, like, Long term suspension is coming to Bill Self and Curtis Townsend, and they want to start letting the other assistants who went out to this thing, like Norm Roberts and Jeremy Case, get experience running things from this end so that, you know, before any suspensions occur, Bill Self would be able to say, okay, you went out and you learned on the job while I'm still here. Let me tell you what you did right. Let me tell you what you did wrong. Blah, 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 blah. Like now you can learn on the job doing it especially for a guy like Jeremy Case, who's a young coach in this profession. E- even then, it's it's kind of weird because, you know, why would you not? I don't know. Like, like how much is there to learn in that situation, I guess? Um, so, the only other thing would be, like, what if Kansas just happens to know that a punishment is coming or that, maybe the punishment isn't as bad as they think it's going to be. Maybe they're getting some sort of hint that that's the direction this thing's going to go, that the punishment is going to be not overly awful and that it's something they're willing to accept. And so they're basically saying, okay, we're willing to play ball now. You took postseason ban off the table, so we don't have to worry about that. You took suspending Bill Zelf for a full year off the table. The only things that like, you still might suspend Curtis Townsend for a year or you still might suspend Bill Self for 10 games or whatever. But we're comfortable with where the punishment options have gotten to now that we are willing to stop fighting and we're willing to do this. Those are the only things that would make sense because otherwise this is just complete opposite of what they've been doing in the past, which is fine. But it's just trying to discover what is the motive here from KU. Now, as far as, as what this could mean for KU in like, recruiting if you're worried about, well, these guys aren't there, blah, blah, blah. I mean, they've kind of been recruiting with one arm behind their back this whole time through the NCAA stuff anyway. This would just be the latest in that. Like, they're still going to be fine. They're still going to get good recruits. Still have good players on the roster. The transfer portal changes things that even if you're not bringing in five stars, you can bring in one of the top transfer players. And, yes, even if you do have a postseason ban at some point here, Maybe the recruiting for the one-year guys drops off for that year, but once you get out the other end of it, it's going to pick back up. Um, So that's why I think this all just comes down to the idea of speeding things up. Could it lessen punishment? Could it be an indication of something to come? Of course it could. But I think this is just KU trying to speed it up. It's been five years, man. This has carried on way too long. Four or five years. Whatever it is. It's felt like a decade. They just want a solution. There's other teams that are waiting on solutions too from the IRP. So Kansas is no different there. But that to me is the end goal here. Just get a solution. Because the quicker you get a solution, the quicker you can move on. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We're going to be joined by David Lesky coming up here in 15 minutes. We also have RCST Trivia coming up in the four o'clock hour. We'll be right back after this time out on KLWN, depending on it. Did you know that on our website, KLWN.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com, we have a program called Hometown Deals. So you click the tab, and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50% off. We have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50% off gift card to. So just go to the website, click Hometown Deals, and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50% off. If you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost, shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. 20 till 4, this is Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Eric Johnson with you, and joined now by David Lesky of Inside the Crown. Um, Brady Singer continues to show some really good flashes for the Royals. Is is he just straight up like a good pitcher now? <laughs> That's such a good question because like. I don't know the answer. Um, I I think maybe
2: um, you know I, I think that that one of the biggest things that I've noticed from last year to this year. And and I think that this might have even been as, in, well, we're not as important as the change of development, but close to it is innings don't fall apart on him anymore. Um, I, I haven't seen anything that you can look at a you know, statistical change. In, I mean, other than the fact that he's been better in, in pressure situations, but like last season, his numbers with runners on base were bad. Um, I know they're better this season, but regardless, I mean, it just, it, it's one of those things that it feels like it's better and it feels like it's better because it is better. <laughs> and so like, I think about, um, you know, the bunt on, on Saturday night in the sixth inning, I, I have a hunch that, and I can't prove it, but I have a hunch that last year, if he does that, the, uh, the inning falls apart on him. It just snowballs. And he gave up a run. It was unearned. He wouldn't have given up a run. It's not for a throwing error. I mean, it, that was just very different. and So I think, like I said, maybe not as much as the changeup, but it's close to on par with developing and using the changeup a little bit more. I think that's really helped him quite a bit to be able to not let, you know, one thing snowball into two, into three, into four. And I don't, I don't know if he's more than a three or if he's a two or if he's a five. I don't, I don't know, but, but I, I think that we can safely conclude based on what we've seen before this season and what we've seen this season so far. You can count on him to be in a rotation, and if you don't look at it as okay, we have to have a one, a two, a three, a four, and a five, and you have to say, and instead say we have to have five starters. You've got one out of five for sure, I believe.
4: It's 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 interesting too because, um, you know, like I'm looking at with Eno Saris of the Athletic, he he has this like pitcher plus stuff plus location plus metric, and you look at the Royals' starting pitchers, and and they don't really. Do too hot in the stuff plus category. Uh, no singers kind of same thing. Like the location plus number is good. Pitching plus number is, is about average there. Um, so what is it? Is is it a philosophical issue of using wrong pitches, preparing wrong? Was it a, uh, development issue and, and not having the right guys? Is this just who the Royals drafted? They just drafted more low, low ceiling, high floor pitchers. Like, What do you kind of make of that?
2: Well, I don't think that they're necessarily – I don't think it's the latter so much. Um, Because, I mean, if you look at this, and I I know that it it doesn't go by the eye test, but, I mean, watch Daniel Lynch's slider and tell me that doesn't have potential to be a plus pitch. Watch Singer's slider, or even his sinker that is just nasty when it's on. so many called strikes because of the movement that it gets. Or, I mean, Carlos Hernandez watch him last year and you can't tell me that, that stuff doesn't have potential to be plus stuff. Um changeup change up is nasty when he's not putting it in the middle of the plate, obviously. I mean there's all these caveats, but they've got pitchers who have plus potential pitches that I don't I don't know I don't know where they went wrong. And I I there I mean there are really two options and both can be right. Um in the development potentially, I think that's possible and in uh, the big leagues. And like, like I've always said, I think the major leagues are kind of, not kind of, they are a finishing school for pitchers. That's, that's one of those things that, you know, you can only learn so much in the minor league because, you know, at some point you're not facing good enough hitters. And so you get to the big leagues and you're facing the best of the best. And everything you hear today is that the gap is bigger than ever between even AAA and the majors, and I don't think that they're able to kind of finish off what they've learned. Now, I went back and I looked at, at a bunch of pitchers who are, I think I, I think I said the primer at twenty six or younger, and looked at their minor league strikeout and walk rates. Well, I mean, from, from from a strikeout rate perspective, look, well, Chris Bubba was at thirty one point nine percent in the minors. That's that, that's up there with Shane McClanahan. Um, near Luis Garcia and Christian Javier, better than Dylan Cease, better than Tristan McKenzie and Kyle Wright. And,
4: That's quite the and list. Logan. What was that? That's quite the list.
2: Yeah, it's quite the list. And that that and it just hasn't translated. And, and some of the walk rates are a little bit higher. But like Brady Singer, 5.4% walk rate in the minors. That's up there. That's better than Logan Gilbert. That's better than Tarek Skubel. Better than really everybody but Pablo Lopez of the pitchers that I looked at, <laughs> they 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 performed in the minors. And and I think that at some point, you know, if you're good enough to perform in the minors, you got to get to the majors and finish out your training. And what the Royals have in the majors, as far as the people leading them to finish the training, they aren't good enough. And we always talk about Cal Udred, but look, that includes Larry Carter. I mean, he, he's not without blame. In, in this Royals pitching situation, he's the bullpen coach. There, there's a lot of work that he does too. And that, that, that includes anybody else who works with the pitchers, you know, Calder's probably going to be the one that falls on the sword, thankfully, if he needs to. But um, I, I, my gut is that's where the problem lies with these guys. Now, if you look in the minors right now, you see what Alec Marsh is doing and Asa Lacy and and a bunch of these other guys, then you start to say, "Well, I think it's the development too," and I'm not. am not saying that that's wrong, but I think with this group, they need a better pitching coach in the big leagues. I think mean, that's where the issue lies for them specifically. But I mean, an organizational overhaul entirely, like they did with the hitting. Um, I mean, and we've seen how that works. We've seen that it, it's come through, and hopefully, they they agree and they make the same moves this offseason because they need to come back next year with a totally different mindset everywhere
4: couple injuries. Well, I guess one reported and, and one, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. What's more concerning, Bobby Witt Jr.'s hamstring tightness or Josh Stamont's velocity decline? Oh, the velocity, for sure.
2: Because, I mean, look, guys have hamstring issues. <laughs> it, guys who run like he do, like he does, you know, Bobby Witt, he's going to have, I, I'm not going to say he's going to have hamstring issues every year, but it's not surprising that it comes up periodically. Um It'll be concerning if it goes from tightness to a strain or whatever. Um, but for right now, uh, that doesn't bother me. It's it's not too concerning. I hope they don't rush him back, which they've been prone to do with players. So, you know, we'll see. But Tomlin's velocity, but the reality is, when he's not throwing 97, 96, 97, 98, he's just kind of a ordinary pitcher. I mean, he gets out. He, he can get outs with that velocity. It's not like he's. Like he, you throw him out there at ninety three, ninety four, and he's he's uh, Albi Lopez or anything, but he he needs that that elite velocity because it helps his curveball, and you know he doesn't have the best command, so it helps to be a little bit throw a little bit harder. He's not healthy. I mean, they they got to get him healthy. Just, if, if they want a chance to have a decent bullpen for the last sixty seven games. Um, yeah, the, Scott Barlow's been really good. He might get traded. Taylor Clark's been really good. I don't think he's on the block, although he probably should be. Dylan Coleman, I think, has a chance to be really good. He's been inconsistent. But if they're going to have a good bullpen down the stretch, it's because Josh Stalman has a good stretch run. And he's got to get healthy for that.
4: You mentioned the uh, trade block on Sunday, I believe, is the uh, MLB trade deadline. and Tuesday, uh- next Tuesday. It's Tuesday. Okay. I don't know why I thought it was Sunday. Uh, It should be Sunday.
2: They they moved it from the 31st to the 2nd, and I I think it's to get it off the weekend, but yeah.
4: Which seems dumb to me, because wouldn't you want the weekend to talk about it? Either way. Whatever. Uh, So next Tuesday. So we'll have have next week more to to talk about trades, and maybe a trade will happen by then, but um, I do want to start kind of getting into this now, because I, I think it's funny you actually mentioned this on the show last week, that... Uh, you kinda of thought that the the report or whatever about oh, the Yankees are no longer interested in Andrew Benintendi and you kinda of said that like, no, that's a smokescreen. They would have known that he wasn't vaccinated. Right. Like this isn't news to them. And since there have been more reports coming out about how no, the Yankees are interested in Andrew Benintendi. So round of clap or round of applause for uh, David Lesky. <laughs> uh, so so what do you make of of the trade market there for Andrew Benintendi? What do you think it kind of looks like at this point?
2: I mean, it's hard to say. And, and there was a little bit of a wrinkle thrown in with the Juan Soto stuff because any team that could use Benintendi, I think at least has to find out if they can get Juan Soto because he's better. And not only is he better, but he's also, you know, you get a better uh, return because you get a guy who's there for two years beyond this season. So, and in some ways it's probably better to get Benintendi because you have to give up way less and pay a lot less money. But for the most part, the teams, a lot of the teams who are likely in on Benintendi are going to exhaust the Juan Soto option first. So it slows his market down just a little bit. Um, obviously, we've got eight days, so it can't be that much slower. But um, I mean, if you look up and down the league, you can pretty much make a case for just about every contender having a need for Andrew Benintendi. Um I guess not entirely <laughs> every contender, but. I mean, Yankees, Rays, if the Red Sox are, I think they can contend with the way they've been playing. They're in there. Um, the Blue Jays, I, you know, the vaccination thing hurts the Blue Jays' cause. I don't know. They, they, I've heard that they're still interested, maybe thinking that he'll get a shot. I don't know. Um, the Twins, the Guardians, they could use him. The White Sox could use I don't think they're in on him because it's a central thing. But, I mean, I'm looking at all the contenders, and I feel like the Astros are like the only one that you look at and think, yeah, they they, they probably don't need him. They're they're probably okay (laughs) without him because I I think he'd make sense just about anywhere, Um, anywhere on a team that has any kind of shot. I think Andrew Benintendi works. And so that's, that's really big for the Royals because I think that they can, if they play it right. um, And especially considering there are going to be a bunch of teams in on Soto and one of them won't get him. I mean, well, all, all, but one of them won't get him or maybe all of them, if he doesn't even get moved. So, there's going to be a consolation prize aspect in there, I you know, I, I think, I think he's uh, I think he's uh, in in demand and you could be looking at a top uh, coming into the season. I thought a uh, top top nine or ten you know nine, nine or ten best prospect in the organization plus bottom of a top thirty. I I'm thinking maybe it's fifth or sixth best and maybe twentieth if you're looking at two prospects and so there, there's going to be a big return because there's I don't know. 12 teams that are in on him Man, That that's a crazy number for a left fielder
4: yeah that is um and may, who knows maybe your point like the astros michael brantley's still on a kind of uncertain timetable when he's gonna return yeah you need a contact sure. hitting outfielder boom there you go uh the one team I mean, you said there that in there. yeah the one team you said there that i, I just I, I don't know i could never see him wearing this uniform is the boston red Sox. you know it's
2: hard to imagine him in a red yeah, section, right? you're right. It's, it's, <laughs> it's an odd fit. <laughs>
4: yeah, um, so, Whit Merrifield, his OPS is nearing 850 over the last month of play, and, and obviously the All-Star game pause in between there. Um, five hits over the last two games for Whit. Do you think it, it makes it more likely that he stays on the Royals, that he's picking it up, or less likely? Um, I think
2: for the first time, less likely. Because, and, and I think his comments are going to end up his ticket out of town, which maybe is what he wanted. I, you know, if you're going to make those comments and then double down on them, I think it's pretty clear what he's trying to say there. So I think they're going to try to move him. The, the problem that comes up is the Royals don't value their players accurately. They're, they're just, they're wrong in what they think that they should get. And that's what's caused them to not trade Merrifield in the past. Uh, you know, to build around a good, not great player is a bad idea. And they, they, they've they've fallen prey to the idea that they should be getting way more than a reasonable offer would have indicated. Um, I think they've gotten, I don't know this for a fact, I don't know what the offers they've gotten, but I, I assume they've gotten reasonable offers for Whit Merrifield and they said, no, it's not enough. I'm hopeful that they are so ready to move him that they are willing to take an offer that they think is not enough, but is actually a reasonable amount. Um, And so I I think that's where they are. If, if you, if you gave me a hundred dollars to bet on this, I would bet. he's. And I, I think he could be one of the quicker trades also like that. And it, I would not be surprised if he's still a Royal when we talk next week, Um, but I'd be surprised if he's a Royal the next day. (laughs) But, but with Merrifield, I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think he could go really at any time. Um, you know, there's, there's not like, uh, it's not the same market for Ben and Teddy. You don't necessarily need to rack up the price. If you get what you want, you make a move. And but that could happen in five minutes. It could happen Thursday. Um, so I, I could see that happening fairly quickly. Um, but you know, again, it's eight days, so everything's fairly quickly, I guess.
4: So who do you think the player would be? Because it, it sounds like, obviously, you think both guys will be traded away. Um, who's a player that could get traded that you think there's a good chance they actually still do end up on the Royals once the deadline is passed?
2: Um, My gut, my first reaction to that is Michael A. Taylor. You know, he's he should be moved. <laughs> he's a guy who, um, you know, he, he hasn't... He's never had a season like he's having right now. That's not true. Sure. I mean, he's pretty good in 2017, but, um, he, you know, he, he just, he's having a career year and the Royals have some guys who can play center field. Kyle Isbell has looked really good in center field when he's been out there for the most time. We saw, we saw a really nice play. He made on two really nice plays in a row on Saturday. Um, I, I think, I think he should be moved. I, I worry that the Royals value that defense so much in center field that they don't care that much, and I think they're gonna. I, I think he's gonna require the type of offer they wanted for Whit Merrifield <laughs> when, when it was unreasonable, and it's unreasonable for Michael Taylor too. So I think he stays, but they should move him.
4: With the bullpen, do you see any pieces get getting moved there, and, and what do you think a reshuffling in the bullpen would look like?
2: Yeah, I don't. It's hard to say because I've talked to two people and one person said, "Oh, they're moving Barlow," and I said, "Oh, interesting. Okay." I talked to another guy and they said they're not moving Barlow, and I'm like, "Well, okay. Well, now I'm back where I was before." So, um, so I I don't, I don't. It's hard to say. I think Barlow has a ton of value. He's not a free agent until after 2024, Um, so that's that's three pennant races he can impact. Um, I think he's shown that he can close. He can set up. He can pitch multiple innings. Every team, every single contender, you know the, the pitching market is different than the offense, right? Because every contender can use another starter and can use another reliever or two of each. So every team could use Scott Barlow. Um, I think he could get moved. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't. Know. The Royals they, they over, they overplay their hands a lot of times. This um, goes back to the Merrifield thing, and I, I think, I think. They might hold on to him. Stalmond is the other guy who I thought that, that might get moved, but you know I, it's hard to say now with 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 the velocity down, just coming off the injured list. I don't know. I I think it's uh, I think it's tough to I think it's tough to think that he will get moved because of that. So I I don't I don't know that they make a, a bullpen move at all. If they do, I mean they should they should trade Scott Barlow. Um, and like I said, I think they should be shopping Taylor Clark the way he's looked. And, and look, maybe, maybe getting him to save opportunity, um, was that just yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, would is is part of them saying, hey, look what he can do in the ninth inning, too, against the contender. Um, but it's the Royals, I, I'm not going to believe they move a reliever until they actually move one.
4: Uh, all right. Uh, we've gotten to that point in the segment. Uh, who is your player of the week for the Kansas City Royals? I know it's a very shortened week since we last talked to you. Um, I mean, you could pick Andrew Benintendi just because he was an all-star, but uh, who is the player of the yeah, week? Sure.
2: I, well, yeah, it's, it's a tough question. I was thinking about this before before we started talking. Um, you, you have a few candidates this week, like Brady Singer. I, I think Brady Singer is the answer, but I also – Nikki Lopez has had a really big week, Um Bobby Witt Jr. We'll see how he how, how long he's out, but I mean, he's had a homer, three steals, four RBI since the break. That's three games, and really for him, it's two games in a meeting. Um, Michael A. Taylor had the big home run. M.J. Melendez has has about five hits and twelve at bats. Uh, Whit Merrifield's been really good too. So I think it's Brady Singer, but they they've had they've had some candidates. They're they're playing pretty good
4: baseball right now. He is David Lesky. You can check out all his work at Inside the Crown. David, I appreciate the time as always, man.
5: Absolutely. Thanks,
4: Derek. All right, David Lesky, check out his work again at Inside the Crown. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. We are brought to you by Home Field Apparel. Home Field, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis, has incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs because they dig through the archives of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments. The Kansas collection has 14 pieces of apparel, including T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, and they are some of the most comfortable things that you will wear. Plus, they re- look really cool. And they just released, well, not just, but after the national championship, they released a national championship shirt. Use the code Talk. That's Talk, all one word, and you'll get 15%, 15% off your first order. That's right. Code ROCKSHOCKSPORTSTALK, all one word, for 15% off with home field apparel on your first order.
1: Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender?
4: I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh
3: Uh-oh.
1: Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay,
0: let's just calm down. How am does to calm down. Look around you. With
1: Derek Johnson.
0: When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays?
1: No. No, man.
4: Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Our trivia starts in a bit here, but first, your Case of the Mondays. By the way, you know who's not feeling a Case of the Mondays? Salvador Perez expected to begin a rehab assignment tomorrow with Omaha in AAA. Wish I would have just been able to talk about that with David Lesky, but just came down the uh, pipeline there, and um, that's a lot sooner than Salvador Perez was supposed to be making his return back, which on one hand begs the question of, why rush him? Like, what What are you doing here? But on the other hand, could just be a good sign, I guess. Okay, case of the Mondays. First up, Brett Veach, the Chiefs general manager. reason why he's feeling a case of the Mondays is because Orlando Brown, who he traded a bunch of draft picks for, has now decided to hold out of training camp. This is the latest in this whole saga. Traded for Orlando Brown, played last season, had a solid season, was great blocking against the run one of the the most elite run blockers in the NFL but was also you know so-so as a pass blocker and wanted to be paid like the best offensive tackle in football Chiefs said nah we'll give you a lot of money but we're not going to make you the highest paid now he is holding out of training camp to where not only are you not going to have him at this point seemingly long term but there are questions if you're even going to have him short term for this season We've seen this story many times before where a player sits out of training camp and then he comes back for the start of the season. I would imagine that's what actually ends up happening with Orlando Brown. There is the possibility, though, that he would do that. We, I mean, we've seen a couple players in the past sit out games like Le'Veon Bell and Vincent Jackson have sat out games over the course of the season not wanting to play on the franchise tag. So it wouldn't be that unheard of. It wouldn't be impossible that Orlando Brown would completely set out everything. I just would still imagine he'll be back for the time that games around. Nonetheless, this continues to boil to a head that makes you feel like, yep, next offseason, Orlando Brown's going to get franchise tagged, traded away. He won't be a part of the team anymore in, in some way or another, but you would at least like to have the short term with him. And because of the fact that this is occurring late in the game, this isn't a situation where you can just say, "Hey, you know what? If we don't have Orlando Brown, like it's fine. We'll just sign some other free agent to fill in for him for the the near for the the meantime." I guess that is a possibility because Eric Fisher is still available and he obviously knows the system and everything. If that would be something that connected on, but who knows? Maybe he doesn't want to come to the Chiefs after he was cut about a year and a half ago. Um I think that you'd be in a situation where you'd probably have to move you know, around the offensive line and, and kind of shuffle it around and have guys playing different positions or whatnot. Maybe you can find a cheaper veteran who's a guard and, and put Joe Tooney at left tackle. But that becomes interesting. What if Joe Tooney moves to left tackle during training camp? He looks really good. You feel comfortable where you're at through the preseason and with Joe Tooney starting at left tackle. And Orlando Brown says, I want to come back does he automatically get his starting spot back or does it go to Joe Tooney and what does that mean for the future of Orlando Brown like you know imagine if you're Orlando Brown and you're sitting out and and you want this big contract which at this point he can't get till next offseason because the negotiating period is over but then he comes back and he's a backup like that wouldn't be great for your free agency market come the next season right Um, so I'm interested to see what the Chiefs do there and the Chiefs can't afford to wait on him it's unfortunate but that's kind of the solution I see. Like They're going to have to move Joe Tooney to left tackle and prepare for the season that way, which is the unfortunate side effect of this. And even if Orlando Brown does come back at the start of the season, then like he's not going to be ready right away. It's going to take him a few weeks to get back into the swing of things. I I don't get this from his camp, to be completely honest, because if he thinks he's worth as much money as he was asking for to be the highest-paid tackle in the league, when he is not even shown to be one of the top 10 best tackles. Why don't you go out and prove it with your play? Former Tennessee head football coach Jeremy Pruitt is feeling a case of the Mondays today. The NCAA has charged Tennessee's football program with 18 level one alleged rules violations. The most severe is for impermissible recruiting benefits totaling about $60,000 that were paid to prospects, players, and their families under former coach Jeremy Pruitt. Among other allegations, Pruitt is accused of providing about $9,000 to the mothers of two prospects. His wife, Casey, is accused of making 25 cash payments, totaling about $12,500 to help a prospect's mother make her car payment. Um, On at least two occasions, the staff spent $225—this is my favorite part of this—at McDonald's for prospects and their families, though the fast food bags included only food and not cash was erroneously reported by TV and radio host Dan Patrick. That was a report a little bit ago that they were using the fast food bags to put cash in and then they would give them the bag and say oh here's you know here's this breakfast or whatever. So he's probably not feeling great here. That 18 level. Think about that. Like as much as much trouble as KU could be in and is dealing with with the NCAA and everything we've talked about there. That's five level one violations. Jeremy Pruitt has 18 I mean, that, that dude's not going to be a head coach again, right? Cause it, you combine, if he was successful, if he was, you know, 10 and two every year, at Tennessee. Yeah. Be combine it with being just not very good in that. Like n- he's never getting a head coaching uh, job, at least in D one again. I don't really care to be honest about them, the pain of the players here. And if this was with NIL, they would have found a way to make it legal a couple of years down the road. And also I, I think this just speaks to the whole idea of why NIL is cool to be completely honest. Um, because, again, like, first of all, the idea that Jeremy Pruitt was like, hey, you know how we're going to get around this with NCAA rules? I'll have my wife pay everything. They'll never find out about that. And then his wife was paying off these car payments for one of these prospects' mothers. It's Like, dude, you couldn't have, like, found somebody who, you know, had their cl- hands clean away from this to pay that. Uh, but neither here nor there. Like, this wasn't, hey, here's... uh. Hundred thousand dollars to the kid to come to my school It's like, no. I have this you know prospect whose mother can't even afford her car payment. Like, let's help her out with that. That that's the whole stupidity of the NCAA to me. Um, but yeah, two hundred twenty-five dollars at McDonald's. Good luck building an order with two hundred twenty-five dollars at McDonald's. Obviously, it's for multiple prospects and more, multiple families. That's a lot of chicken nuggets, man. That's a lot of McDoubles. Next up case of the Mondays, Mike Trout being the best player in the world. Question mark. I don't know. Mike Trout might have not has not. I don't know. Has he been the best player in the world over the last couple of years? You can make arguments for uh, a couple other guys. Shohei Otani being a two way player and, and being a star at both ends. Vladimir Guerrero has been really good. The numbers down a little bit more this year. Juan Soto. You've had, you've had other guys put up really good numbers. Even some that I haven't mentioned. Um, but things seem to be kind of dropping away for Mike Trout here. I wonder if we've seen the peak of Mike Trout and that we're still obviously going to see greatness from Mike Trout. He's still one of the best players in baseball. We're still going to see him put up really good numbers and do amazing things on the baseball diamond. But I wonder if we're past that point of him being in his total prime, him being the very best player in baseball. And how much of that has to do with injury because he's on the IL right now dealing with rib cage inflammation. And there was a report that he's not even going to be back in time from when he would be allowed to come off the IL. He's going to have to be on longer. So he's going to miss the series upcoming against the Royals, which kind of stinks to be completely honest. Uh, I was kind of eyeing this weekend and this past weekend and uh, these upcoming games with the Angels. And I was like, oh, great. You know, we can see the uh, Royals maybe play against Shane McClanahan, who might be the leader for AL Cy Young. He doesn't pitch. Okay, well maybe we can see Mike Trout in the Oh, he's injured. Oh, maybe we can see Shohei Otani pitching it. No, he's he's going to pitch on Thursday. Sorry, it's like no, not even a good reason to go out to the ballpark. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mike Trout's having an elite season once again. But he's no longer, you know, at the top marks in the MLB. Like he's near them, but. You combine it with the just constant injuries that he's having to deal with. He played just 36 games last year. He missed 20 or more games in 2017, 18, and 19. And now the health seems to really be coming to a head. And it's just unfortunate because you're looking at a guy that it's not just about how long could he maintain himself in that upper, upper echelon as one of the best players in the game. Which, to be clear, he still is one of the five or ten best players in the game when healthy. But then when you add in the health factor to it, when you add in the idea that because of the health, you're probably going to get diminishing returns more, I don't know, on a, on a quicker, more rapid um, basis than you would otherwise, it just makes me think that we're not going to get to live out this career of Mike Trout like we've seen from some of the greats in the MLB where they're playing into their late thirties, where they're playing into their early forties and still producing to at least some level in those years. And in the final years, we're getting these home run chases and is he going to get 600 home runs. Is he going to get 700 home runs? I mean, there was even a brief moment in time where it kind of felt like, Oh, maybe Mike Trout is going to have a chance to challenge for the all time home run record. I mean, he didn't have one of those like 50 home run seasons under his belt but if you look at the pace he was on compared to some of the other great ones, you know, those guys were having kind of similar paces. And a guy like Hank Aaron, I don't think he ever had a 50 home run season. He certainly never had a 60 home run season and that the consistency was just there for Trout that he at least like pile up a bunch of those numbers. But then you add in the 2020 season where it was a shortened season. You have the injured season last year where he played less than 40 games, more injuries this year. It just feels like the injuries are starting to kind of strip away um, some of the, I don't know, potential of what, how much longer we could see Mike Trout in that kind of legendary status, which is unfortunate. Case of the Mondays for Jalen Brown. The Celtics wing was reportedly offered as a centerpiece of a trade for Kevin Durant. The Celtics entering the Kevin Durant sweepstakes and Celtics offered Jalen Brown and some other pieces that uh, weren't fully given off for Kevin Durant. The Nets countered and said we want more. The Celtics declined, but there seems to be some sort of conversation between those two. Now, if the Nets offer or asked for like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, obviously they'd decline that. You would say no to Kevin Durant for Jalen or, or for Jason Tatum straight up, and it's not even that. Jason Tatum is, like, a better player than Kevin Durant. It's just that Jason Tatum is, like, way younger. But the Jalen Brown and other pieces makes a lot of sense for the Celtics, and especially, you know, when you look at the roster, they got, like, nine or ten dudes, like, legit dudes, like, deep into the rotation. How often do teams play that deep into the rotation, especially in the playoffs in the NBA? not ultra long, so it makes you think they're going to want to condense, and I think that's part of this. You trade Jalen Brown, you trade a couple of your other good role players, good pieces that have shown themselves to be finals worthy role pieces. You trade a bunch of pick swaps, a bunch of first round picks. I think that would make sense for both teams, to be completely honest. And if you have a Celtics team with Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, that's a great place to start because the Celtics made the finals on the backs of having just unbelievable wing play that can switch and, and play all these uh, different roles and, and do so many different things. Now upgrade from Jalen Brown, who's a, I don't know, probably top 25, maybe top 20 player in the NBA, to Kevin Durant, who's a top five player in the NBA to pair with Jason Tatum. That team probably wins the title last year. Okay, uh, but yeah, unfortunate for Jalen Brown because he's would be leaving a perennial title contender He would be going to a team with Kyrie Irving and a team in Brooklyn who, I don't know, probably not sniffing the top four in the East. Okay, uh, not paying as much as cable is on Case of the Mondays because we continue to add more streaming services. We continue to add more options there streaming that we're just going to end up paying more money buying all these streaming services than we are just with cable. NFL Plus is a new streaming service coming from the NFL. It will allow fans to view out-of-market preseason games on all devices, uh, local and national regular season games and postseason games just on mobile devices, and then team and national radio feeds. They're also going to have content and NFL film stuff. Uh, it's basically an upgrade of Game Pass. There's going to have like all 22 and stuff. $4.99 a month, $30.99, $39.99 a year for the like base package. Here's what I don't get because this is where they would get me. If they came up with a package where it was like I can watch my local Chiefs game and it syncs up the audio. With the call from Mitch Holthus, right? And and the hometown announcers. That would be something I would be interested in in paying five bucks a month. I would totally do that. That would be very, very cool. But I could only watch local games on my phone. I can do that on my phone anyway. Like, what's the point of this? Um, But it's just another streaming service, another way that we're just getting nickel and dimed. Last one for Case of the Mondays, the Justin Ross hype train. It has come to a close. Justin Ross... Chiefs undrafted player who talent wise, first round possible player dealing with injuries all throughout the end of his career at Clemson. He was placed on the IR today for the Chiefs. He is out for the season getting surgery on his foot. So, continued injuries causing him issues. And that's probably a good sign of, yeah, this is going to be a little tougher for this guy to stay on the field than you might have hoped. But You sit him out for a year, and you hope that eventually he gets a clean bill of health because the talent's still there, but it's not going to make an impact this year. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We're going to take a timeout, get to our first edition of the KU football version of RCST Trivia. That, on the other side, this is RCST. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, D Johnson at GPMnow.com. That's D Johnson at GPMnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. We are here, the beginning of RCST trivia for the football edition. For the first ever time. I'm excited. I hope you are too. And I hope our contestants are. RCST Trivia KU Football Edition is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, where you can get dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available. The outdoor patio, not great for a day like today, like it's raining, but it's been so warm every day. It's not going to be like 100 this week. It's going to be like, you know, 80s, 90s, so maybe a better day or week this upcoming week to uh, check out the outdoor patio. You can try the Bill Self mac and cheese, a handy turkey stack, or any of the great menu items, and don't forget about the 23rd Street Brewery beer, which you can get to go as well. With their Crowlers. But why would you get to go? Because it's the perfect spot to watch all your football action. They're going to have the Lawrence High Free State Games. They have KU football. They're going to have NFL on Sundays. And I guess NFL on every day of the week. Which it pretty much is at this point in time. That's at the 23rd Street Brewery. RCST Trivia is also brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. And you can check out Johnny's Tavern in Topeka. Or right here in Lawrence. And Jayhawk Trophy as well. Who is providing some of our trophies Uh, The prizes for this event, we're going to have some gift cards to the 23rd Street Brewery and Johnny's Tavern. We're going to have engraved water bottles and tumblers from Jayhawk Trophy. We have our championship trophy from Jayhawk Trophy, and we have some cool KU football gear that we're going to get for you thanks to 23rd Street Brewery. might have some other prizes that hop on board as well, but we have some bowl games uh, that we're going to get to at the end of this. uh, Top two in each division are going to make it into a bowl game, if you finish second in your division, you go to a bowl game, it's essentially like going to one of the New Year's Six Bowls that's not a college football playoff. So still a lot on the line, cool opportunity to finish your season, win some prizes. If you even just make a bowl game, you get prizes, but if you win your bowl game, you get even more prizes. Then the winners of every division go to the bowl games that are also the playoff games. And um, the winners of those bowl games play for the championship game with even more prizes on the line. From there, finish third in your division, you don't quite get a bowl game, but you do get auto entry into as long as as well as if you uh, finish first or second, you get auto entry into KU football edition of RCST trivia next year as well. All right. With that being said, got all uh, that stuff out of the way. Let's get into our first matchup and introduce our contestants. Our first matchup features. The preseason ranked third team and the seventh team. So this is like the they have like the Chick Fil A kickoff, or you know they have some of those big kickoff games the first week. This is that it's a top ten matchup uh, in the Monday bracket, which the Monday division has a lot of ranked teams, a lot of really good teams in the Monday division. Um, so let's talk with our uh, third ranked team in the preseason poll, Kyle Martin. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on on being ranked third right away? Do you like the high pressure of being there? Do you feel slighted for, um, or I think actually you're fourth. You're fourth. Uh, being below the third place guy Andrew Filer. Is that a bit of a slight to you? What are your thoughts on uh headed into this thing? Yeah, the 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 saga of
5: of Kyle versus Filer uh continues. Uh, but I hope I hope the two of us can get to bowl game territory. Um so no, not at this stage. Uh don't feel slighted. Uh, but I did notice uh our, our Monday bracket looks a little loaded. Um so, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. I also noticed Jim wasn't in the top 10, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel that was accurate on your part, Derek. So, um, good work there. I don't think we have anything to worry about with him, Aaron. So, by a couple of bye
1: weeks in this bracket.
4: <laughs> well, yeah, so you're going to play everybody in your division one time. Maybe you guys are like the SEC. You've got all these teams ranked up there. Aaron, you are ranked seventh. Uh, what do you think about your ranking? Too high, too low, just about right?
3: Yeah, that sounds right. I mean, I talked about football during the basketball tournament, so – Uh, seems fair that you put me in the, in the top 10, just cause I have that, some knowledge on it, but who knows We'll we'll see how I do.
4: Uh, Kyle, what is your football expertise? I believe you were part of the the marching band, uh, when you were at the university of Kansas. So, so take me back to your, uh, KU football side of things with fandom.
5: Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, been to almost every home game since I was in school starting in 06. Um, but uh, I had season tickets uh, early nineties when I lived uh, in town. Uh, so yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, knowledge just from being around KU football growing up, uh, but certainly as you start digging into the uh, uh, mid nineties and, uh, and beyond, it is a totally different beast to try to study for. So yeah, keep it, keep it 08. And, and more recent, and I'm in a good spot, but I know you won't,
4: so we'll see how it goes. Well, Aaron, uh, what about you? Uh, what's your, uh, I, I guess, classification with KU football fandom, and and how did that all start about? How have you continued uh, in that path?
3: Uh, well, when I was born, my mom and grandparents would take me to all the games as a child, and it just continued. I grew to love it. I, I became an adult and bought, started buying my own season tickets, and I go to every single home game, try to hit at least one or two away games every year. Um, that's It's a family tradition. My grandpa's been going since he was a kid, too, as well. So it's just something that we love and sucks that KU has to
4: <laughs>
3: be the way they are now. But it's a still a good time.
4: Yeah, and hopefully the uh, current guy help get it turned around. It certainly feels that way. Okay, so uh, just going over the rules here for the, for the listeners and everyone, since it's a little different than basketball. It is going to be the same format. You're both going to answer a different question. We have easy, medium, hard, and really hard categories. Those represent the different quarters of the game. There's four quarters of the game. Easy questions are worth three, medium worth six, harder worth seven, really harder worth eight. A perfect score over four quarters would be 24 points. Whoever has more points at the end wins the game. If it's tied, we go to overtime. It's college overtime. You'll both have chances to match or, you know, if somebody gets the first choice in overtime and answers an easy question and the second person answers a medium question, the second person would win. You're going to have 30 seconds to answer your questions. I'll give you warnings along the way. Need me to repeat anything. I will along the way. And, uh, do you guys have any questions before we get going on this thing? Nope. Nope. All right. I'm going to go ahead and cue the music as we get started into this thing. I do have a quarter and uh, Kyle, you uh, are part of the architect of this thing. You helped me come up with some of the ideas of the format here. You're also ranked higher. So I'll give you the first option of the coin flip. Do you want heads or tails? Go heads. All right. Heads it is. Up in the air. It is tails. So Aaron, you have the choice. Do you want to go first or go second?
3: I'll go first.
4: Okay. Aaron's up first. Kyle is up second. First quarter. First quarter. Easy question, this worth three points. Aaron, who is the current head coach of the Kansas football team? Lance Leipold. That's correct. Lance Leipold is the current head coach of the Kansas football team. Okay, Kyle, your first question. Field goal. Who was the previous head coach prior to Lance Leipold of the Kansas football team? Les Miles. Yep, did not end super well. And you're both on the board to start the season with a field goal. On to the second quarter, we go 3-3. Three to three. The score, Aaron, this one for you. The highest that Kansas has ever been ranked in the AP poll came during the 2007 season in which they were ranked as high as what? I believe they were number two. That is correct. They got up to number two, and then the Missouri game happened, unfortunately. All right, there's a touchdown for you, Aaron, but you missed the extra point. You're up 9-3. to Chance to counter here, Kyle. The highest the KU has ever been ranked in the AP poll at the end of the season is a tie. They did it twice, 1968 and 2007, so technically 08 after they won the Orange Bowl. What were they ranked in the AP poll? I think it was seven. That is also correct. They're ranked seventh at the end of both seasons. All right, nine to nine the score. Neither of you guys have missed one yet. Let's get to the hard round of things into the second half of play, into the third quarter. Let's see what halftime adjustments you guys have made for each other. Aaron, for you, what running back owns the KU record for most career rushing yards with 3,841 of them? June Henley. Ooh, quick answer, and that is correct. Aaron showing himself well here, and you currently have, or that'd be sixteen points through three quarters. Chance to match here, Kyle. What running back owns the KU record for most rushing yards in an individual season, with fourteen hundred fifty-seven of them? John Cornish. Ah, Another quick answer. John Cornish is the correct answer there. He's had great running backs, man. They've been lacking in other areas, but running backs, certainly not one of them. All right, could we be in store for an overtime matchup, or could somebody win it here? Into the really hard round, fourth quarter. Champions are decided. 16, all the score. Aaron, for you. What Jayhawk owns the career record for most total kick return attempts?
3: uh I glance at this i, I want to say it's dj Bashears. that is
4: correct dj oh, beshears no the correct answer aaron were you doing some studying beforehand i did a little bit <laughs> paid off for you there all right kyle chance to force overtime you trail 24 16 kyle for you What Jayhawk owns the KU record for most kick return attempts in one game with eight? Uh,
5: Marcus Herford.
4: Mm. Correct answer is Ja'Cory Shepard. Ja'Cory Shepard. Add eight of them. That's a tough one for you, Kyle, in the first game. But you you predicted this. You you said on Twitter, I predict the first game loss for me and then to roll from there. So everything's going according to plan. Now, let me ask you, would you have known the answer to Aaron's question there?
5: You broke up a little bit there, Derek. Did you ask if I knew the answer to Aaron's question? Yes. Yeah, I did. I
4: did. I saw that one.
5: I did not study. uh, (laughs) I didn't study individual game. Apparently, I should have read down the page further.
4: Yeah, I was on... uh... Either that same page or the next one there, all in that same category, unfortunately. Aaron, did you know the answer to Kyle's?
3: I did not. I, I would have guessed DJ Bashir's again. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah. Yeah. Would not have been a bad guess. But you know, Kyle, part of this as well, uh the points do matter. Like the points add up. They're gonna be the tiebreaker as part of this, outside of head to head. So you know, if you get locked up with Aaron, he'll have the head-to-head there. But if it's a three-way tie or if you're in a tiebreaker with someone else, the points matter. So getting 16 points in your first matchup, you know, that can be a good showing as well. You just kind of ran into uh, an unfortunate one there. Thoughts on on this experience as uh, you guys have been kind of the guinea pig matchup here?
5: <laughs> yeah, I was in a way, I was hoping uh, Aaron let me go first so I could say I answered the first ever question on uh, <laughs> on football trivia. But he chose well there. No, I mean, I think this is good. I think this will be fun. Um, Aaron obviously knows his stuff. So, uh, n- you know, a tough first week, but always better going out on a question that honestly you weren't going to get anyway. So, um, and I guess it's not going out this time. I actually will get to play a fourth time, which is something I've never done in
4: basketball <laughs> trivia. So, hey, I, I win either way here. So yeah, yeah no, all good from my side. Yeah, everything's still in front of you. You win out, you could still uh, possibly win it all. Who knows? Maybe Aaron loses. You could, at the very least, if you win out, you'll you'll be making a bowl game and, and everything will be in front of you there. Uh, Aaron, you get the victory, and maybe, who knows, maybe in a year or two from now, we'll be asking the trivia question of what Kyle brought up, who was the first ever correct answer on RCSD trivia, and that would be one Aaron uh, Mayor at this point. Um, so, Aaron, uh, take me through. What did you think of your first performance? Uh,
3: honestly, I was very shocked to get four for four. I was, there's so much information for the, for this football trivia that, I mean, you can have a different quarterback for like 10 years straight and it's just, <laughs> there's so, so much information to cover and I did not expect to go for four. So good start. and pretty happy.
4: Yep. Good first showing. Well, certainly two guys who uh, I think are going to be pretty successful in this thing. And uh, we'll hear from both of you next week, unless one of you's on by, which I don't think we've determined yet, but yeah. Congratulations, Aaron. Kyle, will see you as well.
5: Yeah, Nice job, Aaron. Thanks, Derek. Yep. You guys.
4: Thank you. See ya. Wow, fun first matchup there, 24-16. to 16. I, You know, as we're doing this thing, and I don't know, there's still plenty of matchups to come, there is a big worry in my head of like, man, is some of this stuff going to just be too hard because it's just, you know, it's tougher. It's tougher with KU football history and everything like that. Those guys know what they were talking about, and, and that's a good first showing, 24-16. I'm happy with that final score, but I'll say this, Aaron... Uh, certainly going to be moving up those rankings. He gets the uh, top five upset there. He was already number seven. That's going to play in pretty well. Kyle's still a top 10 team. I think it's pretty clear. He answered the first three without any hesitation there. That was just a tough one on the really hard round. Um, if you're looking for tips on, on how to you know study for this, get ready for this, I would just say this. Like For instance, we got to the really hard round. That stuff was on the media guide. Um, both of those were you know records on the media guide that, um if you read through that that's going to certainly be helpful there's other stuff that you know uh if you're going to go through maybe like you know sports reference past seasons past schedules big victories where were they ranked bowl game victories who did they play what bowl game were they in um big time performances in in more recent games over the last couple decades that maybe would stick out uh, those are all things that I would kind of get to know, but certainly listening to this, if you're doing that, like that's a good first part as well, because you get an idea of some of the things I'm going to ask, how I'm going to ask them, and, and that might help you out with studying as well. But fun first matchup. Aaron begins the season one and O. Oh, Kyle 2 oh and one. Again, there's plenty of season in front of you, though, so you can't determine it by one game. You know, you can win one game, lose the next game, you go two and two, or something. Who knows? It, it's going to be tough. Going to be tough sledding here in uh, RCST trivia for KU football edition. Our next matchup features Jim Sherrer. And fifth-ranked, Andrew Wymore, that on the other side. This is RCST Trivia. You're listening on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Second trivia matchup of the day, our final one here in the Monday division featuring Jim Scherer and our fifth-ranked team in the preseason poll, Andrew Wymore. Andrew, we'll start with you. You're the uh, preseason-ranked team here. You're the favorite here. Uh, so what are your thoughts heading into football? I know you've been a mainstay in the basketball edition of RCST trivia. Do you have more knowledge with the football team, less knowledge? Where, where are you at with that?
0: Well, first of all, um, thanks for doing this, uh, Derek and, um, been looking forward to this for a while. You know, we don't really put much into the preseason ranking stuff. Um, Not real sure what that to be based on exactly at this point. I'm sure Jim is a worthy competitor and plenty plenty knowledgeable. Uh, As far as basketball versus football, I always always say I am equally a Kansas basketball fan and Kansas football fan. Um, As far as knowledge, It would be hard. It's just hard to be as knowledgeable about KU football than it is KU basketball. Just, I think, you know, being being in the national spotlight so much uh, with hoops. So it's going to be interesting. I'm not really sure what to expect there.
4: Yeah. uh, Well, Jim, uh, you went out a little earlier than you wanted to in the basketball tournament. Um, you're rocking the the cool Ku jersey headed into this one for for hopefully some extra inspiration and everything. Do you feel like you're gonna be better off in this event?
1: Uh, exponentially, yes.
4: Do you feel slighted at all not being ranked in the preseason top ten?
1: No, I love it actually. I love it. It just uh, it's 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 fuel the fire, and uh, you know hopefully uh, there, there's someone in this division who I really want to take out in the next couple weeks. So. You know, I'm ready. I love it.
4: Okay. Well, uh, Andrew, you're you're the higher-seeded team. Um, This doesn't really matter because we're going to leave it up for chance, but I'll I'll give you the option here, Andrew. Uh, I I have a coin here. I'm going to flip it. Would you like heads or tails? Tails
0: never fails.
4: All right. That's my mentality as well, but it failed this time. It is heads. Uh, So, Jim, you have the option. Would you (laughs) you like to go first or would you like to go second?
1: Uh, I'll go second.
4: Okay, so Jim's going to go second. That means, Andrew, you were up first. As a reminder, we have four different quarters of questions. We will start in the first quarter, which is our easy question. And uh, our easy question will be worth three points. So I'm going to go ahead and cue the music here as we get into things. And, Andrew, the first question is for you. Andrew, who is the current head? I'm sorry. That was the previous question. Andrew, for you, what FCS team did Kansas beat? for Lance Leipold's first ever win at Kansas. Uh,
0: who was that? I was
4: at that game,
0: Friday night, to kick off the season last year. Who the heck was it? I think I knew the answer to the question you were going to ask me. <laughs>
2: About who
4: 10 seconds. You? I got nothing. Five seconds. Throw something off. Anyone. Oh! Mm. Correct answer I, is I really South recall. Dakota. South Dakota, the correct answer there on that one. That's all right. This is not like basketball, though. You can make this up later. It's not single elimination. So if you hit your next three, you might still be all right. All right, Jim, this is for you to take a 3-0 lead at the end of the first quarter. One week later... Kansas suffered their first ever loss of the Lance Leipold era on the road against who?
1: God. Um, I don't think this is right, but I'm also, uh, I'm going
4: to say Duke. Correct answer is Coastal Carolina. You got the win oh, over course. South Dakota to open things up, then the Coastal Carolina loss, which they were in it for a while, and then Coastal kind of pulled away.
1: Yeah. All right, we got right.
4: a, we got a shutout through one quarter of play, but that's all right. Still plenty of opportunities to gather some more points on the board. Back to you, Andrew. This former KU quarterback went fifteen-five and two as a starter at KU, and has his name in the Ring of Honor while also being in the San Diego Chargers Hall of Fame. What's his name? John Hable. That is correct. See, the, the easy, the, the field goal, you, you just don't have a good kicker. You're like Alabama. You know, they, they're dominant in everything else. They just never have the kicker, it seems like. I, had,
0: right. I had the other field goal question.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah. I knew, <laughs> I knew Coastal.
4: There you go. All right. Well, you're up 6 nothing. Let's see if Jim can match. Jim. This former KU great running back ran for over 1,100 yards in 1970 and has his name in the Ring of Honor while also being in the Washington Hall of Fame. What's his name? John Riggins. Yep. Big Rigo. Ties it at six. All right, you guys are feeling it now. On to the third quarter. Second half adjustments have been made. This on for you, Andrew. How many conference titles... Does KU football have all time? Three. Correct answer is six. Double it up. We weren't giving them enough credit. Six of them. For KU football. All right, Jim, for you to take the lead headed into the fourth quarter. How many bowl appearances does KU have all time? 12. You knew that right off the back of your hand? Beautiful. 12 there. And just like that, you take the lead headed into the fourth quarter. So, Jim, you're up 13 to 6. So, Andrew, you got to hit this question for a chance to win. If you did, it would give you the lead. Otherwise, Jim will just have an opportunity to to pad the lead after that. Okay, Andrew. KU went 10 and 1 in the 1905 season led by what head coach? Uh,
0: Is that Fieldman Yost?
4: The correct answer is Doc Kennedy. Doc Kennedy had some uh, great years with KU. Name to get to know for later on in RCST Trivia, that's for sure. All right, so, Jim, you have secured the win, but tiebreakers outside of head-to-head are points scored. In regulation, so this is still important for you. You want to hit it, as far as that goes. So Jim, Ku never lost in 1923, but they did tie three times. They went 5-0 and 3. Who was their coach that season?
1: In 23. Yep. Hi. Was it Fog Allen?
4: Mm. Not a bad
1: guess.
4: I think that was in the uh, that same decade. The correct answer is Potsy Clark. Potsy Clark, oh. is the correct answer there. So uh, in the end, Jim, you come away with a 13 to, I'm sorry, did I, yeah, yeah, 13 to 6 victory. I almost said 13 to 12 for some reason. 13 to 6 victory there for you, Jim. What would you think about your first performance here in RCSC Trivia for the football side of things?
1: Uh you know you know, I uh I've been looking through here and I'm kind of actually really, really bummed about myself about the Coastal Carolina question because it feels like we played him every year for the last six years. So uh but you know it, it's pretty good. I feel pretty good. Um so you know, like I said, I'm just Looking to move forward and uh, take care of business.
4: Well, Andrew, were there any questions you wish you could have back or or any questions that you would have been better off on the other side of things answering what Jim got?
0: Well, yeah, like I said, I did know Coastal. We lost there week two last year, also on a Friday night. Um, And I do wish I would have had my own question back because it seems like we play either South Dakota, South Dakota State, North Dakota or North Dakota State uh, to open up the season every year, so I'd have had a one in four chance if I had just thrown out uh, one of them there, but it would not have made the difference uh, in the end, so I got, uh, I guess I feel a little bit of, uh, better about that. Um, anyway, so, but you know what, we're uh, we we're on to week two. Um, we got a lot of uh, prep work, uh, looking at scatter report, obviously, uh, a lot better than we did today.
4: Well, and Jim, I believe you're going to be headed into your bye week next week. So, what does it feel like getting a win going into that? Is there going to be extra celebration, extra partying, or is that just an extra week to get ready?
1: It's an extra week for to to focus, Derek, and in uh, and, and, and make sure that uh, I score more than thir- uh, 13 points in the next one.
4: So, all right. Well, good job, guys. And the beauty of this, unlike basketball, is that you know, Andrew, you're still not out of this. You lost the first game. You win out from here. You could probably win your division, or maybe if you win two of the next three, you're probably going bowling at that point. Um, Jim, still plenty of work to be done, but it's a good start for you. So thanks, guys. I appreciate it, and uh, Andrew, we'll see you next week. Jim, we'll see you in a few weeks.
1: All right, Sam. So, Jim, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks Thank you, Derek. sir. Good luck to you this season.
4: Good little second matchup there. I do have the rousing suspicion. Like, Kyle scored 16 in the first game. I feel like if you average 16 points per game, that, for the most part, is going to get you victories, and this would have been another example where it would have got you a victory. Um, you know, they missed the first one, but they, they figured it out a little bit from there. Um, yeah, those, those past head coach ones are, are tough. So another fun matchup, 13-6. to six. I like the format here. I think it's fun. You have that the added situation of the points and everything. We're going to have a, an overtime game at some point. I would imagine sometime this week, and I'm excited for when those overtime games uh do kind of end up coming together there, but uh, I think that I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, right now, we still haven't seen Blake McFarland go. He was our preseason number two, so we're still not going to have a book out on him just yet. But you know, even though Kyle lost earlier today, I think he's got to feel good with his 16 uh, point performance. And for Jim, you come out with a victory. And for Andrew, back to the drawing board. But we know Andrew's a very knowledgeable man and. You know, he's, he, he's really good about the ones of can you name this game or what happened this game or this player did this, this game, who did they play, stuff like that, because he's gone to so many of these games that uh, I don't think there were any of those that would be kind of uh, in his wheelhouse. Tomorrow we're going to have our Tuesday group, and um, on tomorrow's edition we're going to have Justin Nichols, Blake Farrell, Ryan Schlesner, and Brad Wandell going, Ryan Goodwin, our preseason number one, so number one and number two. Won't be going this first week, but he's going to be on by. So we're looking forward to that tomorrow. But a uh, fun first day here of our CST Trivia, the KU Football Edition. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it.